You're listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. Welcome to the Bridge Metro West. I want to welcome our online family. Thank you guys for joining us today. In-house family, give them a hand. Y'all pretty weak today. I'm just going to say that, so you better amp it up because, you know, and I say that with fear and trembling, obviously. I want to, uh, uh, I got an announcement. We don't do a, a ton of announcements on on Sundays, but by the way, just remember immediately after service, jaywalk. I mean, there's free pizza. You know, we, we do these meetings sometimes like Bridge Connects, like, and literally we have people that don't even come to the church that come that weekend just to eat the food. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm not even kidding, but we, we bear with them. But um, we need to be nimble as a church. As the big C church, we need to be nimble and move with what the Spirit is doing, what the Spirit wants to do. Recognize, um, engage in what I call honest self-assessment. There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so when we self-assess, it's not for the purpose of heaping guilt and shame upon ourselves or you know, self-flagellating. It's not that, but it's understanding who God is and who we are in that moment and bridging the gap between our current operation and the identity that he's already established for us. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. So this week, we are calling a day of prayer and fasting. Wednesday and Thursday coinciding with Yom Kippur. We want to be more intentional about the calling that the bridge corporately has, but the big C church. It's not just about the bridge. I mean, we're, we're okay. We're pretty cool, but... But we know that we are called this year, and even at the beginning, about, I think, December, January of last year, I remember saying that this was coming. And I'm so thankful for our intercessors that press me when I don't feel like being pressed. But we are corporately called into times of prayer and fasting. This is, you know, when... When the disciples were trying to cast out a demon, they couldn't do it. They go back to Jesus and they're like, hey, this isn't working. You know, you told us this isn't working. You know, your methods are wrong. You know, I'm, I'm filling in the blanks. But Jesus said, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. But then he did neither. He just cast the demon out. Why? Because he lived a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. So this week, we join with millions of Christians and Jews to fast and pray on the Day of Atonement as we humble ourselves to seek God's face. Why? Because we are a people of breakthrough. You know, sometimes I downplay breakthrough, but we are a people of breakthrough. We've had breakthrough. Now we are to be the breakers for others. And so we recognize where we're at. We recognize where the call is. And we are going to begin to bridge the gap through prayer and fasting. Does that make sense? So we want to be filled with God's love and share the gospel with the lost. You, if you want to figure out how to do that in just a normal way, jaywalk, free pizza and salad. And this week we'll engage in personal repentance and, and renewal. We will pray for that. We will pray for God's kingdom to advance locally and globally. 
You may be called to a pro, you know, be a prophet to the nations, but if you can't prophesy life to people in your community, I don't want you going anywhere else. We're going to be praying for our families, for our corporate church family, the Bridge Metro West, protection over all our leaders, not just me. We're going to pray for unity. What is unity? Psalm 133, 1, Yahad is the word for unity. In Genesis 22, it's the word Yahid, which means the only, as without kin, as in the only begotten son of the father. Look, unity is where we stand. It's not intellectual assent. It's where we stand in Christ. You can disagree with someone on your right and your left and still be in unity as long as love is in your heart. And love will be in your heart if the Spirit is alive in you because it's the first foretaste of the fruit of the Spirit. We will pray for sin and evil to be exposed and dealt with. And it's not for the purpose so that we can pound our chest and say how good we are. It's for grace. Does that make sense? And man, we want to honor God and give Him glory. So this, Wednesday, Thursday, starts Wednesday night, September 15th at sunset, and it ends Thursday afternoon at sunset this week. Engage fast. For, for a lot of us, I'm, I'm, really, I'm serious, like, like just, it's going to be liquid water. Some of you without, you know, health conditions or whatever you're doing, you know, honestly, the worst thing that I could possibly do in my life is skip a day of coffee. I'm going to have to pray into that. It's a liquid. I just realized that. It's a liquid. <laughs> but it's a bean. But it's a bean. All right, so we're going to move on. Just so we'll send you out some information via email. If you're not in our email, we'll send you a text and um, you can, it will link you to that so you can get that. But you should be on our email. You should be in the Bridge Fam online group if you're on Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, that's fine. We have many ways to communicate with you and for you to communicate with us. So we want to do that. Um, just real quick, for those of you who are in house and you're online, um, we do receive tithes and offerings, whatever the Lord lays on your heart to give. Two ways to do that write a check to the Bridge and mail it. You can check out our app on your favorite app store, Apple, um, or Google Play is cool too, okay. Um, you know, or uh, you can check out the website to get the address. You can mail that. We get mail every day. And, or if you're in-house, there's a basket in the back. You can just drop that off on your way out or you know, at any point in time. Uh, we, you can also text one word to the Bridge Metro West. No, one word, Bridge Metro West to the number 77977. I've only been doing that for like five years. I still can't remember. And we'll send you a secure link by which you can give securely uh, and responsibly. I love that a place to turn one of the local organizations that we support, Food Pantry, they do clothing as well. They posted uh, and, and really gave us a public thanks on their Facebook page. Uh, just, I think it was yesterday or something. I just saw it this morning and I shared it uh, to my page. And we love those guys, man. We've prayed for those guys. We prayed for the executive director and, and uh, minister to her uh, as she's, she was battling cancer. And uh, we just love everything that they do and we're honored to partner with them and be part of the solution in the community. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Kids, we release you. We're not just babysitting here. We are raising the current generation of revivalists and we just play, pray fire and glory upon the teachers and upon the children. God, out of the mouth of babes, Lord, the fire will come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was a golf clap, guys. I'm sorry. There have been too many golf claps this morning. 
Football season starts today, so you just got to readjust your expressions. I got to confess, though, I don't know if it's an age thing. 49. Be 50 soon. But I've been thinking about playing golf. Like, for the first time in my life. It's weird. Like, what is happening to me? I've also been, like, wanting to buy a convertible. I mean, I got a hot wife, so I don't have to worry about that, but I don't know what's wrong with me. Is this manopause? Is that, is that a thing? I don't know. I don't, the golf is, I have golf disorder. I like that. She's a therapist. She knows. Turn your Bibles to uh, uh, John 15, I think, is where we're going to be. I'm hitting my buttons. I have a message today. I usually bring my phone up here so I can watch you guys on uh, all you live streamers and all your snide remarks. Oh, here it is. Sometimes it makes the microphone buzz, but we'll work it out. You guys never do snide remarks. I'm just kidding. It's only the in-house people that make the snide remarks. Yeah, you know who you are peanut gallery Holy Spirit I ask right now that you would come and move upon your word God that you would speak clearly Lord that you would uh, prepare the soil of our heart God that you according to your word uh, would uh, set our hearts ablaze and lighten the eyes of our understanding to receive your word God Lord, I pray that you would move upon me, uh, give me clarity, God, Lord, that that the arrows would be straight and sure and hitting the target today that you have. Lord, it's your will that we want to see manifest fully. It's your kingdom that we want to see come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been getting good at... um, titling messages lately, although I guess apparently last week I talked about the fact that I had a really good title and I never gave it to you. I'm learning, I'm growing, guys. Give me me some grace. You know, I'm trying. I'm I'm not a big title guy, but uh, it was a good title, and if you want the title, it's online now, so you can, because I don't remember what it was. It was really good. Today, we're going to talk about the seed of his voice and the soil of your heart. As you know, I've been reading out of the Passion Translation um, since June-ish. I mean, I, I've, I've, you know, kind of dabbled in the Passion, but I've really been in it almost exclusively. You know, I do cross-reference a lot with the New American Standard, the ESV, New King James, um, and obviously original language is kind of where I live, especially uh, Hebrew. Even if I'm looking at the Greek, I typically reference the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, to gain an understanding because you have to understand that the writers of the New Testament predominantly were Hebrew, right? So there's a Hebrew mindset. There's expressions. There's things uh, all across the Pauline epistles that don't actually fully make sense unless you understand the depth of the Old Covenant. Does that make sense? So today, let me read John uh, 15, 9 through 14, and we'll see where we lead. Jesus is speaking. 
And he says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commandments, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. I just feel like I got to read that again. If you keep my commandments, you will live in my love. If then, it's an if then statement. If you keep guard commandments, you will live, you will exist in the manifestation of the love of Christ. Going on, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose to tell you these things is so that the joy I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. That's pretty good news right there. So this is my command. Now you gotta understand, these are the words of a man who knows that he's about to die. Pay attention. Anytime, I, you know, when I sit with a man of God and, and you know, my first spiritual father, he, he died and, and I, rem I remember his last words to me. Because when you're in that moment, all of the things that are uh, uh, not meaningless but less than sort of fall to the ground. You get to the main thing when you know that you're coming to the end. And so Jesus says, this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show me you're my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. And then again in verse 17, moving forward. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. There was that song, uh, I, I do get snarky. The Lord has dealt a lot with my snarkiness. I don't think I'm cynical anymore. I think, we I think he dealt with that, but it's you know, a lot of fire. We pray for the fire. We love the songs about fire. We sing spontaneous songs about fire. We sing that song, fire, fall down on us, we pray. Yeah, we sang that for like, I mean, I, probably hours and hours. And then the fire comes to purify you. And you're like, well, God, what is going on? He's like, well, you asked for this. It's the fire. The fire is designed to transform you. Fire transforms substance. Fire purifies metals, purifies gold. It purifies things. It removes things that lessen the value of that material. It does a lot of things, but that's my focus right now. And so there was a song, you know, a few years ago that was popular, and everybody was singing it, hopping. It was one of those songs you get everybody dancing, I am a friend of God. And there were a lot of people that weren't friends of God that were singing that song. Well, how do we know that? You show me that you are my intimate friends when you hear inside my voice and act upon the word I give you. That's what Jesus is saying. So we have a lot of people that stepped in to corporate gatherings, they experienced the glory of God, they got the goosebumps, and they thought that was enough. But the goosebumps aren't enough. Where this whole thing leads is what will you endure for the joy set before you? People love, you know, to talk about destiny. We could do destiny conferences. 
But at some point, when we follow Jesus, you've got to understand that his destiny was fulfilled when he was nailed to a cross. And I felt like I was going through a trial when I came back from a trip and my refrigerator was dead. And all my good filet mignon steak thawed and became useless. And I wept bitter tears of sorrow. But I still had coffee. What you focus on, you make room for in your life. What you fear, you empower in your life. Fear leads to control. Love leads to freedom. Fear encumbers. Love empowers. Fear will cause you to shrink. Love will cause you to flourish. What is operating in society today? What is operating in your heart today? The decisions that you have made I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about vaccines or master nomax. I don't I don't want to talk about it. Here's what I want to talk about. What is what is the catalyst for the decisions that you make? If it's CNN, then you better be fasting and praying this week. What made you go to a place or not go to a place? Was it fear? Was it the counsel of men? Or was it the voice of God? And you may say, I don't know how to hear the voice of God. Well, I've got a great solution for you this week. Fast and pray this week. How many times people have come to me and they've said, I can't hear God. And then we talk about their lifestyle. And all of the information. Why do you think all this information is coming at you from so many different channels? Because when all that stuff is coming at you, you only have a certain capacity to hear a certain amount of things. And if you're a guy, it's a lot less. Oh, my sister's bearing witness. I hear you. And so in the beginning, the Hasidic Jews believed this. There's this concept called setsum, where God, because God was all in all, he had to contract in himself a space that was dark, black, formless, and void, so he had a space in which he could create. Maybe it's time for some of us to contract a space in our lives so that God can breathe into that space and begin a creative process where now you're being transformed from one level of glory to another level of glory, and now your ears are open, the scales are falling off your eyes, your heart is soft, and you're receiving the word of God for you, but not only for you, but through you. Because, see, he set the example. It says, from him, to him, through him are all things. That's, that's what we're designed to be as Christ's ambassadors on earth. We are to receive from him, but we are to release through us. We are not harbors of the nature of Christ. We're supposed to have rivers of living water flowing out of us. But, again, fear encumbers, but love empowers And his voice is the seed for the soil in your life. Men, his voice is the seed for the soil in your life. I I was doing some counseling with a couple. I don't do a lot of counseling because 
well, I mean, come for me in counseling and you'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> but I was doing some counseling with a couple. And I looked at the man. And I said, you've got to understand that you're the priest of your home. And you are the gateway for what comes in and comes out. And so the life that you lead, the proximity in which you walk to the face of God will affect not only you, it will affect your wife and it will affect your children. And he looked at me and he said, I don't believe that. I was kind of shocked. I also couldn't care less. And I said, I don't care what you believe. I'm speaking truth right now. Because I've been where you've been, but you haven't been where I've been. Let me say that in recent memory, I've, I've not been more broken than I am today. But I've not had more clarity than I have today. A lot of things I say and I speak, I do so with fear and trembling, but there's also a confidence in him behind the words. Because I know that it's coming through a broken vessel. His voice is the seed for the soil in your life. His voice is the very goodness of God manifesting on earth. His voice is not a religious structure. His voice is not an angry, hateful expression. His voice is not merely a sound or an impression. His voice occupies space in our time. I, I don't have time to flesh that out, but I've taught that in the past. His voice is a manifestation. The nature of his name is a manifestation. It's not something that we put on a piece of paper. It's not merely something that we hear. It's something that we live inside. And it's in the Bible. And I'm not going to give you chapter and verse. If you're hungry for it, if you're hungry for it, then go look for it. The Bible talks about a man who sold everything for a pearl in a field. How hungry are you? His voice occupies space in our time. His voice is eternal. His voice echoes his word. His voice exposes our frailty, but grafts us into divine royalty. His voice is powerful, piercing, and will bring passionate conviction and unceasing hunger, yet his voice will bring ultimate contentment and satisfaction to your soul and your spirit if you stay and dwell inside the sacred space of the voice of God. The power of his cross, his blood, his sacrifice gives us the right to become children of God when we receive his word and voice into every facet of our lives. It's John 1.12. I'm just going to keep hammering away at that. And I'm going to keep offending some people and our online audience until you get it, because it's in the Word. If I ask you how you're doing, if you are in Christ, and I ask you how you're doing, and you say, better than I deserve, you need to read John 1.12. You need to read Romans 1-8. through 8. 
You've been adopted. You have the spirit of belonging. You've been grafted in. John 1.12 says you have the right to be sons of God. There was a season in your life where you did not deserve and you were not worthy, but the cross of Christ transformed your identity in such a way when you say yes to him, when you pass through the other side of that cross, you cease being unworthy, and now you have boldness to come before the throne of grace. It's time to be who he said that we are. That is faith that becomes righteousness. There's so many streams that are still beating themselves with the word. When he said, I freed you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. I've cast your sin from, from, from you. I remember them no more. We, we're having conversations that he forgot about years ago. If that's you, we have an online Elijah House deep prayer ministry right after service today. You can sign up at 11.45. We got another ministry team ready for you to pray you into breakthrough, healing, salvation, deliverance. What is it? Go for it. Well, I went for prayer last year and it didn't work. Well, go to prayer again. Pray until something happens persevere it's in the Bible persevere when Jesus talks about obeying his commands you got to understand he's coming from a Hebraic understanding he's talking about keeping think of it as guarding the commandments. Think of the Ark of the Covenant with the, the two cherubim hovered over the top of the, the Ark, and inside the Ark is the Word of God. They're keeping and guarding the Word. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and His name is Jesus, Yeshua, the Anointed One. So he's coming from this Hebraic understanding of obedience as opposed to this militaristic understanding we often see in dead, dry religion. Some legalistic streams of Christianity with this sort of overlording authoritative hierarchy. That's really not how Jesus works. Yeah, okay, he turned, he turned the tables in the temple, but he's Jesus. If your name is Jesus, you can come here and start turning tables over. That ain't you. <laughs> Reeling in the bunny trails. Praise the Lord. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. I've taught on this before years ago. I want to refresh you. A lot of new people here. I'm just going to briefly touch it. This is a multi-part message. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep, so there's obey and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine. Now we are grafted into that promise by the blood of Christ. Okay. Now the word for obey is Shema, which literally means to hear with comprehension. It's not an order coming from a general that if you don't follow it, then you're in deep trouble. We're going to court-martial you. That's not what we're talking about here. 
Romans 2.1 says his kindness leads us to repentance. That word for kindness, kindness in the Septuagint is used to translate the word goodness in the Old Covenant. The goodness of God is defined as such. It's something that he deposits upon the earth that has the potential for future life, but it requires the sons and daughters of the living God to steward what he's already given us to release it. We had a conference here a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. And there was a a young man on the mic, and I I didn't want to... You know, I don't, I, it's fine. Like little things, I, we just let them go. But, it, but I remember him saying this, God is redigging the wells of revival. God ain't redigging the wells of revival. God is not in the business of digging wells. He's in the business of telling you where the wells are and you go dig them. Revival is not a charismatic magic trick. The kingdom of God is not a charismatic magic trick. Salvation, healing, and deliverance is not a charismatic magic trick, and people are not our guinea pigs. God gives us the seed, and he calls us to cultivate the ground. That's important to understand. Because then we know, we understand what the goodness of God is. And uh, Genesis chapter 3, is that correct, Mabel? i got to remember, Genesis chapter 3, it re, our gen- Genesis chapter 2, we have this rehash of the creation story. So we have this understanding that God created the garden, and it says he created the plants and every leafy green thing in chapter 1. But then in chapter 2, it said, no, nothing had grown yet because water had not fallen, and there was not yet man to till the soil. So in Genesis chapter 1, what we see is God placing on the earth the potential for future life, but it required the creation of first man and first woman who would walk inside the voice of God, who would stand inside the sacred space of his name and do what he said. God does not own a rake. That's you and me. His voice is the seed. The soil is your heart. What are you willing to do? And he's banking on his goodness so much. His kindness, his goodness leads us to repentance. It's not a guy with a sandwich board saying that the end is near. I'm sure that's worked for a few people and God has grace for those who are doing things in faith and maybe pure of heart. I can't judge the heart. That ain't my business. But I'm telling you, Romans 2.1 doesn't say that that is what is going to lead people to repentance. It's his goodness. And so when he speaks and when he deposits himself into a moment, when he gives you an instruction, he's so banking on his goodness that his goodness will cause you to turn from your way and turn to his way so that you can have a life relationship with Jesus that will give you life and life abundantly. It's his grace and his mercy. Yeah, there's warnings all over the Bible. But when you search those warnings out, you understand that in the midst of the warning, warning is a promise. That's why he's warning you. You warn your kids, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And when you're two, you just think your parents are mad at you until you touch the stove and you discover that it's hot and you realize they were right all along. 
I think I was about 11 years old, maybe 10, when I realized that I knew everything. I was watching a football game with my dad, the Patriots, before they were good. It was horrible every week. But Steve Grogan was my man. And my dad was what? And he started yelling at the TV. We were bad. Like, we're, we were our sports family. Like, we were bad. Like, we were bad. Lisa, she's in the back right now. Like, she's been transformed a little bit. But let me tell you, when she was watching a Celtics game, listening to Johnny Most on the radio, watching it on the, oh, she was bad. There were no grace for the refs. So my dad's there and he's like, he's holding, he's holding. And I'm watching that play. I was like, I don't, I don't see any holding. I don't, and I looked at my dad. I said, that wasn't holding. He's like, ah, oh, it was holding, it was holding. And then I realized, I know everything. <laughs> Look, this revelation came to me. Until I was about 25. And somewhere in there, my mom is, you know, when I was a teenager, my mom said, wait, there's going to come a day when you realize you don't know everything. And gall dang it, that, gall dang it, that day came. I was 25, and I called my mom on the phone. I was like, you know what? I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I think it was about 37 when I found myself. Don't take that long. Don't be that dumb. But what does it mean to hear inside the voice? What does it mean? I haven't told this story here in a while. Now, you guys know I'm pretty introverted. Like, I'm legit introverted. There's a lot of people that say they're introverted just because they don't like people. And all those personality things is real popular. You want to take your personality tests and it's supposed to illuminate you. God, he, you know, I mean, okay, I don't want to say God is not interested in your personality, but the call of God on your life has nothing to do with your personality. So right after service today, we're going to have jaywalk, and we're luring you with free pizza and and salad because I don't care if you're an introvert. Before I get to the story, let me tell you, because you guys hear me talk about Walmart a lot. I don't like to go to Walmart. And if I have to go to Walmart, I'm, I'm like, it's like a military expedition. Like I'm special ops. Like I insert exfil, get me in, achieve the objective, get me out. That's what I'm doing. I got blinders on. I'm not looking at people. I don't want people looking at me. I just want to do what I'm doing. Amen. What a wicked and perverse generation. These people you gave me, God. So this week I went to Walmart and the Lord highlighted a young man who was sitting up against the wall smoking a cigarette. He was tattooed. He was just kind of hunched over and he was, he was just sort of there. And I felt, I just felt the light in my heart. But I was on a mission, so I bypassed him. And then I walked toward the entrance and there was an a, a elderly African-American man. Like, he just cool hair though, like he, he was cool. But he was gathering carts and he was just all hunched over. And I felt the light again and I'm like, okay, I gotta stop. And I said, good evening, sir. And he looked at me and it, with lifeless eyes and I began to speak to him 
And I watched this man as rivers of living water began to flow out of my belly in an inconvenient moment go from being hunched over. I literally watched the spirit of heaviness lift off of him, and I watched tears begin to fill his eyes, and the brightest smile that I have seen all year coming off a man who is collecting carts in front of Walmart. That's just being Jesus with skin on, guys. It's, it's really not that hard. And God is really not interested in my personality or what I think my personality is. He's interested in his mission. But you only understand the mission if you hear inside the voice of God. Like Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He spoke that in his earthly form because he, he, he limited himself. He's the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth. He, it's a, and the word says he was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. Jesus was there at the beginning. Make no mistake, but he allowed himself to be born as a baby. He allowed himself to be comforted into a feeding trough. He allowed himself to grow and learn. It's a, the Bible even says he learned obedience through his suffering. It's, it, it's not that he disobeyed. It's that he fulfilled the concept of obedience and what is possible through man. Mankind by being the example and the prototype for the sons and daughters that he would gather for himself. He's the measurement. Jesus is true theology. So what does it mean to hear inside the voice? You know, when I can't leave church, I've usually talked to a few people. Sometimes I hide in my office. I know I'm sorry. It's just where I'm at right now. Give me grace. And I go home, and you all know I, I like my man cave go down, sit in the basement. Sometimes I sit on the patio in summer. It's beautiful, but today it's game day. I'll be in the man cave. Sometimes I'll go home, I'll play video games, I'll put on, put on the headphones. And my wife is beautiful. Amen? That's the best response you guys have had all day. But she has this habit of speaking to me across many rooms. Now, our house isn't that big, but you know, it's not a long walk even to the top of the stairs. Yet, for some reason, like three rooms away, a voice calls out in the desert. <laughs> so there was one particular day I was playing video games. I do, I play video games. I like things that blow up, virtually or in reality. I have my headphones on, very intense, and I, I hear a sound of one calling. Now, for all of you who are married, you want to be married, here you go. Here, here's, your, here's your counsel. I, now, I was at the point of decision. See, when we're, when we're speaking to people about Jesus, we're not, it, it, we don't have to close the deal. We just have to bring them to the point of decision. Then the pressure's on Holy Spirit to reveal. We just got to be the conduit. So I, I heard the voice, kind of sounded like the Charlie Brown teacher. I had a decision to make. I could choose to ignore the voice and pretend like I didn't hear it because it was multiple rooms away. And well, but in all fairness, those are noise canceling headphones for a reason. No, no, not because of my wife, I'm just saying. 
I love the sound of her voice. Or I could take the things that are inhibiting my hearing off of my head so that I could hear more clearly. In this particular moment, wisdom prevailed. And I took the headphones off. And then I heard the voice. And the voice called from multiple rooms away. Are these socks dirty? <laughs> now, if I were to approach that like we approach the word of God in our cemetery, seminaries, we would do this. I would write out the verse, and then I would graph it out. I would you say, okay, we, or our, our is a, it's a verb of being, and I'd be preaching it right now. Our is a verb of being, and these, they refer to the socks, which is the object of the verb of being. And then dirty is the adjective that describes the socks in their current state, because the verb of being is, is in that tense, which means she is asking me if the socks are dirty. And then you feel illuminated and we all go forth and feel like we have intellectually ascended to another level. But see, I know my wife. I've lived with my wife. I've loved my wife. I've fought with my wife. We made an amazing son together. I worked hard on that. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> Moving right along. It's a family show. We have lived in proximity with each other, heart to heart, face to face. And so even though I hear the words that are coming out of her mouth, I understand that she's not asking me a question. She's actually issuing a command. She's not asking me the current condition of those socks because the current condition of those socks is pretty obvious even to the most casual observer. What she's actually saying is, Paul, would you get up off your butt, walk up the stairs, go into the bedroom, pick up your dirty socks off the floor, and put them in the hamper where they belong? And all God's women said. But you can only do that if you live intimately with someone. God is not interested in us reading a list of commands and interested in us having just some sort of intellectual assent that, that we, we live out a system of living and behavior modification. He wants us to live in such a way that we hear inside his voice, that we stand inside the sacred space of his name so that when he speaks, we hear with comprehension and he's banking on his goodness in the midst of his word that we will recognize that the goodness of God is better than anything else on this plane that would distract me to the right or distract me to the left so that when he speaks I become a straight arrow of the Lord and I'm walking in lockstep with Jesus and I am his ambassador and he's making his appeal through me because that's the space where his goodness fully manifests and produces life. But you can only do that 
if you know his heart. We see that with Moses. God comes to Moses and he says, I'm going to destroy these people and build a new covenant through you and your bloodline. Then we think that Moses had an argument with God and won. Okay, that makes sense. See, the Bible says that Moses spoke to God face to face as a friend. And so he heard the words. And he didn't graph them out grammatically. He heard inside the voice. And he said, hmm, you're not going to do that. And in his heart, he knew God is testing me. Will I fulfill his word? Or will I be tempted with another destiny? So that the future won't be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The future will be the God of Moses. What an honor that would be. But you can only do that if you hear inside the voice. He says, you show me that you're my intimate friends when you hear inside my voice and act upon the word I give you. Last week we read John 15, 5. It says, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. You know, we often focus on what we want to come to us. But the goodness of God is defined by what comes through us to others. The potential that we could bring life to others. The potential that we could be an instrument of salvation and healing and deliverance today. Oh, that's just something that happens overseas. No, it happens here today. In our current state, in all of our weakness, in all of your frailty, in your state of doubt and disappointment, even hopelessness, in our pain, our dismay, our depression, guess what? His power is perfected in our weakness. In recent memory, I have never been more broken than I am today, but I have not had more clarity than I have today. Because I recognize his power is perfected in my weakness. I'm not that cool, but he is that good. John 15, 20, the second half of that verse, he says, guess what? If they obey my teachings, they will also obey yours. Why did he say that to his disciples? Because he knew that they were friends of God because they had lived with him. They had walked face to face with him for three years. They had endured even suffering with him. They had seen the displays of his power and they had seen him weep for a friend who had died. They had seen the fullness of Christ. And he recognized that the deposit that he, he had put in them would produce 
future life down through the generations, which he expresses in John 17. And he said, the glory that you've given me, I give to them. And not only to them, but to those who believe me according to their word. That's you and me. John 17 is still alive. God's voice occupies space and time. It never falls to the ground void. So that prayer that he prayed 2,000 years ago is active in the atmosphere right now as if he just spoke it for the very first time. That's how the word of God works. So when you pray the scriptures, when you declare the scriptures, when you're in your home and you're depressed or you're not sure about your workplace or you're not sure about your destiny or your gift isn't operating today the way that it did yesterday, you begin to declare the word of God with a sound. You got to stand up and contend sometimes. You got to step out of the realm of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you got to step into spirit, which is wisdom, communion, and conscience, and stand on the one thing that you know is true, which is the word of God. You were bought with a price. You were called according to his purpose. You are sons and daughters of the living God. His fire has come upon you. The Holy Spirit is in you and he's moving upon you. And we have access now to the throne of grace by the blood of the lamb. It doesn't matter what kind of mood you're in. It doesn't matter how disappointed and depressed you are. You begin to speak the word of God. If you don't have the words, I got a book that will speak the word for you, but you've got to take it from your belly and you've got to begin to release it on the outside because when you release it with a sound, the angels take notice. Heaven takes notice. He, they're not interested in mind reading. They want to see the sound that you're going to release because it's not just about you. It's about this community. Bridge, Metro West, Boston, Springfield, New England come alive to Jesus through you. God is not digging the wells of revival he's called you to dig the ground if they obey my teachings they will also obey yours this is not some overlording hierarchy of religion this is not some fad or trend it's the spirit of the living God speaking through the hearts of men and women, sons and daughters, the bride of Christ. The word of God come to earth to plant seeds in the hearts of humanity and hope that we will cultivate the soil of our hearts so his voice will bring future life. That's what jaywalk is. That Genesis, I mean, it was Genesis 3, 4. The seed was there. The potential for future life is there. The goodness of God is defined. Guess what? There's seed hidden in your heart today. I know you think you don't have anything to say. You don't have anything to share. Let me tell you, some of the best evangelists I've ever seen are people that got saved yesterday. One of the best evangelists I ever met in the late 90s was a heroin addict. He struggled to break free, but man, when he hit the streets every day, he spoke the word of God. And people gathered, 
And one day he showed up into church. One day he walked down the aisle. One day he shook uncontrollably as that addiction, disease, and demonic force came off of him under the power of God. And then his wife told me, no more needles. There is a seed from God hidden in your heart today. Will you say yes to Jesus? Will you cultivate the soil of his voice and allow him to bring life to you, but through you? From the youngest to the oldest, you're not done. Destiny is not a microphone. Destiny is not a stage or a platform. Destiny is not what comes to you. Destiny is divine, defined by the goodness of God flowing through you every day, every moment. God, God is continually planting seeds in your heart. You must cultivate the soil of his heart, your heart, so that seed will grow heart to heart and face to face with God, and that seed will grow into oaks of righteousness. Let's stand together. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. And in that prayer, he made a declaration. Now we translate it and make it sound sort of permissive, but it's not how it is. He said, kingdom come, will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's the king of glory. I think he's going to have his way. And the plan all along was to do it through you and me. And as weak and frail as you feel in this moment, he is able to do above and beyond anything that you could ever ask or think. But what are we holding between our faces and his? See, that's the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any gods before me. And we're all like, oh, well, that, you know, it's idols. No. That word before me in the Hebrew means the skin of the face. What are you holding between your face and his? People will ask me sometimes, well, is this a sin? Is that a sin? And the question is always, when you do, when you engage, when you believe that thing, does it draw you closer to his face? Or does it push him a little further away in your life? See, people sometimes outside the camp want to define what sin is because they don't know it. It's not how this works. What are you holding between your face and his? When you surrender that thing, you step into the beautiful relationship of salvation in Christ. The spirit of offense has hit the ground in this land and around the world. 
I gotta distance myself from social media a, a bit because I'm, I'm like seeing Christians that are defining salvation by whether you wear a mask or not. <laughs> like really? Jesus says, don't call them thou fool. So I keep my mouth shut. We're defining salvation by so many things except by what salvation is defined by, which is faith in Jesus. Everything else is subservient. There's a blockage in your life. What are you holding between your face and his? Thou shall not have any other object before my face. Once we're in the kingdom, we really don't have a right to offense. We have a right to the cross. And from the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he fulfilled his destiny when he said, it is finished into your hands. I commit my spirit. And now I will gather for myself, a people that will be called by our name, and I will receive the reward of my suffering. It starts with a yes to Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know him, I want to introduce you. It's not rocket science, but it will change your life. If you're online and you're here and you don't know him, I want to introduce you. We're just going to pray a simple prayer together. We're all going to do it. We're going to do business with God. I'm going to open up the altar space. We got ministry teams here. We got ministry teams online. We want to pray salvation. We want to pray healing for you today. We want to pray breakthrough for you today. You've got something that just is, you don't even know what it is, but you know that it's between your face and his. We want to partner with you and break that off. It's not just you and Jesus, it's we and Jesus. That's the way this thing is made. We're the body of Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It doesn't mean he's going to draw everybody you like. There's some weird people in church. But they're beautiful. Because he's beautiful. So pray this prayer after me. God, I want to know you. I accept your gift of life to me. I accept Jesus' death and his resurrection from death that reversed the curse of sin and death in my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. The stuff I know, the stuff I don't know. I turn from my way and I turn towards your way. Would you please reveal your love to me now? I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for hearing me and honoring my request. In Jesus' name. Jesus opened his mouth and he taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit 
the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And in this day, in this age, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of the living God. Persecution may be coming, but for the persecuted, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to call the ministry team forward. We have the worship team sing over you. I want you to do business with God, but here's how this works. Like you can't just, you got to do something. You may need prayer, you may not. I, it's up to you. But you got to step out of your seat. You can step in the aisle. You can get in on your knees. You have to respond to the word of the Lord. You got to be a first responder. If you if you don't do it here, you ain't gonna do it at Walmart. So we want to bless you and bring you into a place of breakthrough. We want to seal this act of salvation upon you. We want to bring upon you a fresh baptism of his love and his fire. You don't have to understand it all. This is not an intellectual exercise. This is just saying yes. Sometimes the most humbling thing to do is to say, I need help. Believe me, I know. Believe me, I know. But come boldly before his throne of grace and come to the altar and seek his face today. In just a few minutes, if you've got kids in your classes, you'll need to go get them, but stay. Don't go yet. Stay. Steward this atmosphere. Do some business with the Lord and allow him to transform you. I speak blessing, blessing, blessing over your bodies, your minds, your souls, and your spirits. And Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidry is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.